everybody. Welcome back to Looking for the Real God. This is Christy Lynn Wood. Today we're going to jump into our second part of the series on missing theology and discuss suffering. What does it mean and why does it happen? Last week we talked about brokenness and about how it's just foundational for us to understand this world and God and ourselves. Understanding that this world is broken. It's a foundational part of our theology. Because it's not going to make sense about why things never work out or why we want things to be better if we don't understand that our world's broken. And today's topic that I want to talk about kind of piggybacks on that one. We're going to talk about suffering. And suffering is not a popular concept. (laughs) Nobody wants to suffer. I have heard all kinds of Christian people trying to explain away suffering, trying to give you formulas about how you can avoid suffering trying to blame you if you are suffering. Suffering is this just negative thing that is seems to be a part of our world and we're always trying to make it stop. It really just ties so well in with the brokenness thing because suffering comes because of brokenness. Our world is broken and so we suffer and it ties right back in there. And so I've heard prosperity gospel preachers trying to say that it's never God's will for you to be sick or poor or anything like that. Any kind of suffering is never God's will. That if you just follow these steps and you do these things and you send them money, then you also can have a life free from suffering. And gosh, I wish it was that easy, but it's not. I've heard people from my past in my cultic days trying to explain suffering by saying that, well, you just weren't doing the right thing. It's God's punishment. He's up there just getting you because you messed up. You're out of line. Or you need to follow these rules that you can then have blessings and success because Suffering is always this bad thing. Suffering is always negative, it feels like, within certain branches of Christianity. It's always negative. I mean, it feels negative. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. It's sad. It's yucky. None of us want to suffer. And yet, it seems to be a part of this broken world. So what do we do with this? And how do we understand it? And how do we reconcile these seemingly opposite truths that God is sovereign and in control and loves us, and yet suffering still happens. Is he out of control? Is he up there like, oops, sorry about that? Does he cause suffering? Does he want us to suffer? Like, how do we reconcile this? How do we understand these two seemingly opposing things to be true at the same time? This is not easy. It is tricky. And once again, I want to go back to kind of overarching themes of scripture. And I think it's really vitally important that we understand that suffering is a result of the fall. Suffering is a result of sin entering the world. Before there was sin, before Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, there was no suffering. It was beautiful. There was no tears. It was wonderful. And one day again, when Jesus restores the world, there will once again be no suffering. No tears, no sadness, no brokenness, no pain, just beautiful peace and happiness in paradise with him. But right now, we live in this brokenness, and we have to deal with suffering. So how do we understand it well? And how do we get rid of these lies that we have about it? Well, I want to tackle this idea of God doesn't want us to suffer, or that He it's never His will for us to suffer, because 
That is just baloney. If you look in scripture, there are so many examples of perfectly great people who are following God that are suffering. And there doesn't seem to be any formula for them to get out of this. And it doesn't seem to be a specific way that they follow the rules to stop the suffering. I can think of it just throughout scripture over and over and over again. People are suffering. Abraham and Sarah went for years without a child. If you've ever been through any kind of infertility, you know the pain that that brings. It's devastating. And yes, they did eventually get their baby, but that was years, years of pain and suffering. Joseph, one thing after the next, he is thrown into a pit by his brothers, sold as a slave. He gets falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, sent to jail. I mean, just one thing after the next, just year after year after year of suffering and pain and rejection and loss. You've got Ruth, who loses her husband and ends up going back with her mother-in-law to Israel. And yeah, she, it works out. She gets Boaz. She has a baby. But the loss of a spouse, it's devastating. And then to leave your homeland, that's another kind of suffering. It's hard. Esther, Esther gets dragged into the king's court, into the Persian king's court. It's part of his harem. You think she wanted that to happen? Yeah, I don't think so. I think about David and how many years he spent running away from Saul and hiding in caves and all kinds of stuff. And he's supposedly this man after God's own heart. He goes through just years of rejection and fear for his life. And it doesn't stop there. His whole life is filled with with things that are difficult. Job, um, Job loses everything except for his wife, who just wants him to curse God and die. She's not exactly the best companion. He has three friends that come and help him, help, quote unquote, because two of them are not even sharing truth about who God is or who he is. So he's got spiritual abuse going on, plus all this devastation in his family. His children are dead. His livestock is gone. He's ruined. He is, I mean, just he's ruined. He's sick. It's awful. Then you get to the New Testament. And I think this is probably the biggest example of the fact that this whole idea is God's not God's will for us to suffer is bogus. Because who suffers the most? Jesus. Jesus. God himself suffers on the cross, before the cross. Shoot, before he even gets to the cross, do you think it was comfortable for him to be constantly rejected by people? To have the Pharisees and the Sadducees after him? To have the crowds declare that he's not really who they want him to be and just leave? I mean, he's just over and over and over again. has all kinds of suffering in his life and his, his broken world that he lives in. And then we have the apostles who just get put in jail and beat and eventually killed. I mean, there there's no basis for this understanding that there's no suffering or God doesn't want us to suffer. Like that is just, that just needs to go away because that is a lie, lie, lie. And suffering is not always punishment. Jesus isn't getting punished. Yes, he takes the sins of the world on him and the cross. But before that, he's just living in this broken world and he's just facing hunger and exhaustion and people who don't like him. And that's just part of life here. It's not because he's being punished for anything at that point. We got to get rid of this formulaic approach to life. I think it's because we desperately want control. We want to feel like we have some kind of power over this world of ours, over this life of ours. It seems too unstable or uncertain. And so we're like, well, if I make a formula, 
and A plus B equals C every time, then I somehow have control. But it doesn't work that way. Guys, suffering is part of this world. It's part of this broken world. And there's some suffering that's going to come because we make a poor choice. And you probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, One time early in our marriage, we bought the stupidest car we've ever bought in our life. And we should never have done it. But we were poor and we were just trying to like, I don't even know what we were doing, trying to make a good choice, quote unquote, with money. So we found this like beater. And the minute I saw it, I was like, no, we need to walk away. I mean, the guy who was selling it, he had these pit bulls that had completely destroyed the back seat. Like there was not a back seat left. However, we bought the car without taking it to a mechanic. And guess what? It was like dead. It was dead. There was, it would cost more to fix it than it was even worth. And so we had to junk it. And so we lost money as poor college students. Now we're out even more money. So that was a bad decision. (laughs) And the suffering that came from that, the loss of our money, the frustration, the time that we lost, I mean, that was a result of our bad decision. Now, that's a stupid little example, but I think you guys understand what I'm saying. There are some things in life that happen to us that we have suffering because we made a bad choice. Like we just were dumb. We should not have done that. Other suffering sometimes happens because somebody else made a bad choice and now we're just the consequence, like we get the consequences. It's not like we did anything to get it. We're just getting it. And that is horrible. And I hate that part of life, but that's part of this broken world. We have consequences. There's cause and effect, which is totally different from formulaic. Cause and effect is like, you do this, you're going to get this. It's just how it is. Mostly, if you do something stupid, you're going to get a bad result. It works the other way too. If you're making wise choices, you're probably going to end up with better results. But that's not the same as a formulaic response saying, if I do this, then God will give me that. If I follow the rules, then God will never let me suffer. If I give my money away, then God's going to bless me with more money. Like that, that doesn't work that way. So I think we need to understand that. I think we also need to understand that despite everything, God is in control. And this is where the truth intention comes in, because it's really hard to understand how can we believe the world is broken and these bad things happen, yet God is still in control. Does God do these bad things? Sometimes. If you look at scripture, there are plenty of examples where God intentionally does stuff that we would think of as bad. These are the times that he allows it to happen. That he steps back and says, okay, that can happen. How do we reconcile that with a good and loving God? I really think it comes down to we have to understand that our view as humans of good and evil and right and wrong is skewed. I know that sounds really hard to understand, but when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and they took that fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they thought they were getting knowledge of good and evil. But the fact that they took it and disobeyed made them now corrupted by sin. And so even their knowledge of good and evil has been corrupted. And you're going to see this. You don't have to have me. I mean, I don't have to give you evidence from scripture because look at the world. How many things out there that are bad do people claim are good? We're like, that is devastating. People are getting hurt. And they're like, no, it's good. It's good. It feels good. I like it. It's good. And I think the same is true with bad things. We can sit there and say, well, that's terrible. That should never happen. That's wrong. That's bad. But maybe in the grand scheme of events, it's not really bad. Because God does not care about the same things we care about. And I have found this to be true over and over again in my own life. I care about things like comfort and peace and security, and safety, and happiness. God cares about things like salvation of as many people as possible. 
He cares about growth in my life and in others' lives. He cares about a relationship with himself. He longs to draw us into a relationship. And he cares about eternity. God sees with eternal eyes. And he knows that some of the brokenness down here will be wonderful for eternity. When I think about my own life, I think about the things that I've gone through that have been difficult. And some of them I've shared here on this podcast. Every single one of those times of suffering in my life have resulted in growth. Beautiful growth. Deep growth that would never have happened if I hadn't gone through that suffering. And God knows that. You know, it's it's crazy. It's things like God knows that if someone if someone's going to die, but more people are going to come into relationship with him because of that person's death, then he's probably going to choose death. I know that sounds harsh, but we only see with our little temporal eyes. We only see this world. We only see this moment that we're in. And we don't understand that this time on earth is this little blip compared to eternity. And God sees with eternal eyes. And so he allows, and once he does, things that hurt and are painful and cause suffering because he has a better plan. Because he sees with bigger eyes. Because he's not the same kind of good that we think is good. His goodness is more good than we could ever imagine. But it doesn't always line up with the things that we think are nice. He is a paradox and a mystery. And if we can hold this truth in tension and understand it, then we can go through the sufferings of this world. The world is broken, guys, and there are horrible things like infertility, chronic illness, divorce, death, sickness, destruction. And it's hard. And it's sad. It's devastating. I want it to end. And it will end. But we will go on. And I think that it's super important for us to be able to hold on to the knowledge of who God is, who this world is, and what eternity is, who we are. And it gives us the strength to sustain us through these lengthy seasons of suffering and heartache and hurt. I don't think it makes it easy, but it makes it doable. We can do it because we know who God is. That he's with us. Because that's the most beautiful thing. He has promised that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And so even when we're in the midst of this just horrible, hard, awful things, God is there with us. And during those hard times are the times when I have experienced him the closest and the most. And it's made it worth it. I don't want you guys to look for pat answers or easy ways of understanding this. I feel like suffering and the goodness of God is this thing we have to hold in tension. And it's not comfortable and it's not easy. I was talking about just how it's easy to want to have these solid platforms of, well, this is what the answer is. And you can get that on the left and the right, progressive, conservative Christians. This is the answer. But I think so much of real truth and the real Jesus is found in the middle between those two platforms. It's in this awkward like tightrope walk of like, oh, I think this is what it is. And I don't really know, but maybe. And I'm holding on to truth about who God is, even though I don't have this quite figured out. And it's willing to just be in that place of mystery and not having all the solid answers. And if that's hard for you, I would just encourage you to take time to deal with it. Just just sit down and deal with it. Pick it apart. Think about it. Feel those negative emotions. Ask the questions. Bang your head if you have to. Just shout and yell. Just 
Wrestle with this. Don't just accept something and move on. Wrestle with it. And let your roots grow down deep into the rock that is Jesus Christ. Because he's the only thing that's never going to change. And he is never going to leave. And I'm never going to leave him. Because he's the only thing that I found that has, that has life. And that satisfies the brokenness of my own soul. So, a little heavier topic today. But thanks for being here, guys. We will pick up again next week and discuss more missing theological blocks. So until then, keep searching. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to have you join me over on my website at christylynnwood.com. For more content, free resources, and opportunities to connect with a community of people who are looking for the real God.